Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, host of the Tour Coach Podcast here. I want to thank all of you for listening and supporting us during our first year. I think the podcast has grown. It's gotten hopefully better. I appreciate all the comments, so much social media feedback, and so many people have walked up to me and given me their insight and so many just great comments about listening to the podcast as I ventured off from the Dew Sweepers Golf Radio Show. So it's been a fun year, a really cool year, and obviously the times are changing out there, and we've kind of reassessed everything, and as we launch into year two, once again, we're going to kind of give all of you an inside look at the PGA Tour, work, travel, coaching, and what it's like out there. Last year, I think I went to 28 tour events. Obviously, this year, it's a little different with everything going on in the world, but You'll hear me from various stops along the PGA Tour, as well as sitting down with my players and coaches and friends at the Learning Center at Frederica, where I'm based out of now, over at St. Simons Island, Georgia. Just a fantastic place, and I'm grateful for the move there and for the opportunity to coach at what I think is the highest level of our players over there at Frederica. So if you have the chance, come see us. And this year, I also want to continue to give all of you that love the game of golf an inside look into what I think is the arena of coaching and teaching golf at the highest level. I want to give all of you access to some of the ways of thinking, some of the opinions, and some of the thoughts of the very best teachers, coaches, fitness experts, mental coaches, statisticians, caddies, all of the people that are around golf at the highest level. And I think by spending time with those people here on the Tour Coach, you can take away some information for yourself that can help you enjoy the game more, perform the game at a higher level. And most importantly, I think as you sit and you listen to the Tour Coach podcast, you'll see that we really enjoy what we do and we have some fun doing it. And uh, I think you'll laugh along the way with us. So sit back. I hope you enjoy the journey of the Tour Coach into Season 2. And if you got any questions or there's anything you want to hear us talk about, make sure you find us on social media. All right, sitting in here, we're down at Ocean Reef, uh, Key Largo, pretty nice place. <laughs> got my man, Colby Wayne, K. Wayne, Colby Touye, the stable, sitting in with me. Colby, you've done a bunch of these camps with me. It's pretty fun. And thanks for always taking the time. I know your schedule's crazy. Uh, about as crazy as anybody's and it's exploded with all the great tour players all the su success you've had but one thing i said the other day on social media you always take time to come spend time with these kids and to me i mean you know it's what i love doing as much as any of the tour players it's fun watching these kids get better yeah i mean i couldn't agree with you more like the development of the younger players today is kind of like the future, right? Like mm -hmm. they're the next, they're the next generation. Like they're the next tour players with the potential to get out there and do something special. So for me, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like you know, just have an opportunity to be able to see you, watch these kids <clears throat> learn from someone like you that teaches them the right way to play golf. And it's just, it's an opportunity that I never pass up if I have that chance. I always try to get involved as much as I can. You know, one of the things I we've talked about a bunch of different things. You sitting in with me a bunch and one of the things i want to talk about is like my philosophy and how we work together a little bit is so we're talking about developing players or developing talent and uh you know i learned early on and i didn't necessarily know why it worked or what but i i've thought if i can take young people or somebody that wants to get better and get their grips on their right and get the club face square the club to swing relatively on a close to on the right path 
and then hammer them and develop their pivot where they're set up correctly and they learn to wind up correctly and then learn to use the ground and unwind correctly and deliver their club with the pivot. Like I've always felt like if I build that in there and then after they've got a pretty good grasp of that. So these kids are, we've got an 11 year old and, a, and then but most of them are 14, 15. Then get them to involve with somebody like you or Morgan Hale, where physically you help them be able to do it stronger, faster, better. To me, I've had a lot of success developing players do that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when you when you look at it from a developmental standpoint, like the basics and and like you and I always talk about, because the pivot is almost like the genesis of the whole thing. If they right. can't pivot correctly, then they're never going to be able to deliver the club the way we want them to. So what you and I have an opportunity to do with these younger players from a developmental standpoint, what we see in today's game, and even with these younger players, that it's becoming a lot more of an athlete's game. Mm -hmm. It's becoming a lot more um, speed and power driven. Right. You know, so for us, when we, when we have, an, have an opportunity to work with the younger players, we really get to kind of dive into being more athletic. Mm -hmm. And what you and I get a chance to see is a lot of these kids, just from an athletic standpoint, moving in specific planes of motion. Um, when you think about the transverse plane, when we think about loading their right side or their trail side and unloading into their left side, um, that has a lot to do with how their body functions. So we get a chance to kind of put a spotlight on, even at a junior level, what they're good at and what they're not good at and what they're, what parts of them are stronger and what parts of them are very weak. So for us, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to show these kids that if they continue to work on the fundamentals and the stuff that you're, you know, ingraining in them now at a young age, they take initiative and, and, and start putting forth an effort into becoming healthier right. and to moving better and understanding that the club doesn't move till you pick it up and understanding that it has everything to do with how your body functions. And if you can get to these kids, what I enjoy more than anything is kind of really getting to these kids at, at this age to, to introduce them to a fitness lifestyle mm -hmm. and, and something that they could get excited about. Like I tell them all the time, I know you're willing to go out on that range and hit balls for four hours. So I need you to at least spend 30 minutes on your body. Mm -hmm. It's just as much of a commitment as I need you to make with your body as you're going to commit to your golf swing or your short game. And I think if we can get them at this age and introduce them to that, it's going to be something that they can use for a lifetime. You know, my, I, my thinking has always been as I've, as I've gone along this road of developing players and young players and, and, and it's really anybody that comes to see me at Frederick or wherever is like that there's more to becoming better than just hitting range balls. Mm -hmm. And it's like getting better at golf and, and going down that is like there's like a bunch of different disciplines that it takes. And I think they're all equal, like your golf swings a part of it. And those fundamentals are a part of it. And I'm kind of but like the fitness aspect is equal and we should be spending just as much time in a weekend with me on that as you do on the golf swing. And you've obviously got short game. I think the mental aspect, and like we've done a bunch of these where, where Dr. Cart and Greg's with us. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but like, so to me, developing a player, and you see it with all the tour players, like there's all these disciplines that come together to make somebody good. And like, you, there's no better time to start it than when they're 13. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, you know, we've had an opportunity to show these kids today was, not only from a fitness standpoint, we talk to them about hydration, 
like mm-hmm. how important hydration is. And then we talk to them about nutrition, like how important putting fuel in your body to be able to go out there and perform. If and none of these kids knew that. None, none. And so it's just another great opportunity and what speaks volumes to these type of camps that you have for these kids that they get stuff here from these camps that they're not going to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a win-win for me, just like it's a win-win for the kids because I enjoy being a part of something that's, that's special and something forward thinking. You know, Jackson made a point the other day. He said that these are different because – like people come and they'll expect to get like all of this stuff changed in their golf game. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you do that one-on-one with an instructor. I don't think a person comes to a big group thing and gets a, and they're going to totally change everything about their golf yeah. and get anything out of it. So all these kids are been working and they're working with us or working with someone. And here it's about the finer points and the details that make you a Correct. good competitive player. It's exposing them to the fitness side. It's expo- I thought the nutrition aspect this week was big for this program and for what we did where they they had snacks and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to take on. I mean, it's 105 degree teat index Correct. down here, right? Yep, yep. They're riding carts, but these kids, their ass was whooped at yep. the end of a day. Yeah, absolutely. And so learning those types of things that like, heck, I mean, we we've seen it. I mean, I remember the first time I remember in Augusta in 16 with Smiley, one of the first times I ever paid attention to uh, nutrition and fueling on the golf course was I remember you saying we were in that rental house and you saying telling him how much he needed to eat during that last round. Yep. And you were saying if you got in a car and you wanted to go 100 miles, I mean, you wouldn't go with an eighth of a tank of gas. Mm-hmm. Right. It ain't going to go 100 miles. You never get that. And. I remember watching through that round of golf how much you made of me. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first times for me. And then I started watching junior golfers, and none of them people, none of yeah. them eat. Yeah, I mean, I remember at Augusta, I would wait for Smiley on the back of seven mm-hmm. with a sandwich, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I would give it to him on, on the seventh hole to make sure he was eating enough calories. And that's when he shot that round on that Saturday. He was right. talking to Jim Nance later. You know, right. so, I mean, it, like, it just goes back to what we talked about what we talk about so much. And like, like you said, the fine tuning things, the fine informative things that these kids get from these type of camps and stuff. And it's the little things. It's like you said, if these kids leave here today and realize how important drinking water is, and are these kids leave here today? So how much water should a, any golfer playing golf drink well, during the day? When you think about just in normal hydration, like for humans in general, like when we talk, when I talked to them about yesterday, when we had that hour speed, that hour meeting about nutrition and hydration, like, they need to be drinking at least half their body weight in ounces of water. And that's just to be normal. You know, now we're trying to, and to so be- So a 150 pound kid ought to drink 75 ounces of water. Correct, correct. That's for, for minimum hydration, absolutely. Now these kids are out here exercising, they're performing and doing things. So now it gets even more important from the nutrition side where you make sure you're giving them the macronutrients and amino acids and the, the electrolytes that's gonna allow them to stay hydrated. Right. Because I talked to them before, like once you start to lose a very small percentage of hydration when you're talking about two to three percent which is easy to get to i mean you're already starting to lose cognitive reaction time and then if you get to that four to five percent line now you're starting to lose performance and output and strength so five percent 
you're, you're basically a different player than when you if you're at 100% and you lose that 5%, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, you're already losing strength. You're losing reaction time. You're losing cognitive decision-making skills. And it all has to do with hydration. Now you factor in the nutrition side, so you've been starving for the last six hours. So that kind of speeds that process up even more. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to see these junior golfers and stuff, and they're carrying their bags in these tournaments and stuff. Okay. Like, it's it's totally different ball game. So for me, it's trying to get them and ingraining in them now how important that nutrition is. How And that's going to play a vital part of you playing great golf, just as important as your putter or your driver. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's part of it because you have to – if you're setting those goals to be able to accomplish these things, to play in tournaments, play at high levels, and if your ultimate goal is to win golf tournaments or one day be on the PGA Tour, your body and fitness and your health has to be at the forefront. Absolutely. So I, I just think that, like, when you watch the, and you start seeing trends, right? So you watch kids out there or guys out there that – they get to the end of the round or like guys, you see young players, college players, they get to the end of the round, even tour players mm -hmm. and they've got four holes to play and they start fading, coming yep. down the stretch. Right. Yep. I mean, it's not always your golf. Story. Correct. I mean, it's got everything to do with how your body moves, how your body functions. It's got everything to do with how much effort that you're placing at as a, as an, as an informative information gathering based the way things that you you're trying to accomplish to succeed and play at a level you're trying to play at it has to go back to the basics and the basis of nutrition the basis of hydration all those things play a part so now how how for a junior golfer how often should they eat on the golf course i want my junior golfers is just like a, a pga tour player they should be eating after every three holes they should be eating something they should how be putting much? something I mean, it could be balanced. I mean, if you have, if you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you can do half of it after three holes and eat the other half. And if you have a bag of almonds, you eat the almonds after the next three holes. So I'm basically, you're eating four times in a round of golf. What about like sports drinks? And this is much for me, like like the you know, Gatorades, Powerade stuff. Do you, do you, do you drink a lot of those, or is it better just water? Man, I think if you if you have Water is the ultimate because there's not going to be cut with anything because you got to watch the sugar intake. When you think about the drinks and the sport drinks that we have today, there's a lot of sugar. So that's going to actually excel dehydration. Mm -hmm. So we don't want you to have anything like from a sugar-based drink or anything like that that's going to make your blood sugar spike because right. that's going to affect your energy levels as well. So ultimately, water is the way to go. But you add but water with the electrolytes and the nutrients that you're taking in through your nutrition. So when you're eating that peanut butter jelly sandwich, you're getting those macronutrients. The reason why it's called carbohydrate is because it hydrates you when you eat it. That's the most important thing. So when you eat that carbohydrate, that water molecule is going to be restored and it's going to retain. It's going to allow you to stay more hydrated. So this, we've done some. We, we've worked with everybody here twice at least, and on their full swing and on their golf swing. Let's talk a little bit about some because the thing I've always liked that we do is obviously we're building the pivot, but that it's things that people can do at home. Anything, I mean, there's nothing here that you've used that a junior's got to go spend a thousand dollars on. Most of the stuff is pretty inexpensive. Things they can do at home using their own body weight. So yeah. let's talk about backswing stuff. Well, some I mean, of the stuff we do. The, the big thing is is it's allowing them to understand that their machine is their body, like the clubs controlled by the body. So it's how the body functions, how the body moves. So when you think about something like the backswing, you don't have to buy a $1,500 piece of equipment to turn better. 
Like you can literally do it like with furniture sliders to open your hips up. You can get that separation drills where you're pushing across your body, where your upper body stays neutral and you're actually separating. And you're doing that with a furniture slider. I mean, you can take a resistance band that you can attach to a door and you can work on rotation. You can do single leg work, single leg bounding. When we get into plyometrics, sprinting is plyometrics. So if you're trying to get a kid, you want him to turn faster, then you should do some form of plyometrics, like the broad jumps with rotation that we were doing in here all week. Did those, you know? yeah, those were yeah. great. Like standing broad jumps, single leg broad jumps, like anything that's gonna make them better athletes. Like, cause the game's changing. The game's like we talked about before, the game's becoming a power and a speed game. And these kids need it. What we do here in these, these, these camps is we're exposing these kids into do things that they can do to become better athletes because it's changing. So like, but you gotta be able to have the functionality and you gotta have the, like we said, you can't put a, you can't shoot a cannon out of a canoe. <laughs> so what we gotta do is you gotta build a base to be able to handle the power that we're trying to create with these juniors. And this is why it's so good to have these things because they're getting exposed to this at an early enough age that it can change their life. And, and it's like the common response I'll get from parents is like, my kid's plenty strong or he's a good athlete. And how many times you put them on one leg where you put a band around them and they're, I mean, they're big kids or they're good size and they can't, or how many of them can't do something on one leg? Well, almost all of them. I mean, like at the end of the day, like strength is easy. Strength in the fitness world, in the conditioning world, strength is the easiest part. Mm -hmm. like I, can get, I can get any human on this earth strong because you place a load on them, you place a demand on the muscle and they lift it till they get it because their muscles are gonna to adapt to it. So sooner or later, that thing that you can only pick up one time, if you keep trying to pick it up every day, eventually you're gonna start moving it. Now, the, the backside of that is, is that just because you can lift something heavy doesn't mean that you can turn, or it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you can move correctly. It doesn't mean you move functionally. It doesn't mean that you're a functional human. This is, when we talk about species specific, we're talking about rotation, we're talking about bipedal locomotion, we're talking about level changes like all those things, the pushing and pulling aspect of all how the body functions. So just because you, you lift something that's heavy doesn't mean that you functionally that you're, you're adequate to movement. Right. You know, so we see it all the time. How, I see guys all the time that think they're strong. How important is doing things like individual legs? You do a lot of that. We do a lot of that with, with these juniors. Yeah, I mean, it's everything. I mean, if I'm trying to get a kid to load into his right side and unload into his left side, that has everything to do with the sagittal plane. So we basically got to split the body in half and the right side's got to work just as efficient as the left side because if one side compensates for the other, that's where you start to see the imbalances and the weaknesses. And it shows up when you guys are showing them all their, their swings on the video, like that's where you start to see the imbalance and weakness start to show up from a spotlight standpoint and go, okay, well, he can't get into his right side like I want him to, or she can't get to her left side the way she needs to, or she can't continue to turn her thoracic spine the way we need it to. And all that has to do with how the body functions. Mm -hmm. So for us, when we can identify those weaknesses and those imbalances, now Morgan and I can give these kids, these juniors, or any from even my tour players, we give them an attack plan to fix those imbalances and weaknesses. And then when they start to move the way they were meant to move, they can turn the way they can turn. Then when you get to the level where you guys, you and Woody are teaching these kids to swing, like it's easier. Right. Like it becomes easier because now they're able to do the things they need to do and they're not trying to do it all with one side of their body more than the other. So for me, it's always about challenging them. It's all about, it's all about challenging them from a, from a kinetic standpoint, from a neuromuscular standpoint. If I'm attacking the central nervous system, I'm putting you on one leg. So now it's like a chair and I cut all three legs off and now we're balancing on one leg. But if we get the body functioning better, then all of a sudden now you got all the rest of the legs on the ground. 
and the chair becomes a lot more stable. And that's what we're trying to do with the athletes today. Yeah, and I mean, it was noticeable improvements. I mean, we were joking around yesterday, but we had a couple kids that picked up three, four mile an hour club yeah. head speed. Uh, and all, you know, multiple students were saying they, I mean, they didn't feel like they were doing anything different, but it became mm-hmm. easier to do. Yeah, when the body moves the way it was meant to move and it starts to become more functional, that same swing becomes more efficient mm-hmm. because the muscles are working the way they're supposed to work. Like if you got 25 muscles that need to fire in perfect kinematic, kinematic sequence to be able to, to hit that perfect golf swing, and we find out that you're literally, literally out here trying to swing a golf club with four muscles, if we get 15 more muscles to start firing on the frame, your body's going to become a lot more efficient. It's going to be that effortless power to be able to get in there, that rotary power that we're trying to create with these kids. Colby, awesome stuff. Thanks for making the trip as always. You're the best, bud. Awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. As we go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I wanna give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first class people and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines It's hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job. And they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers. And we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to the Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on the Tour Coach.